are on a journey of looking at our core values as an every nation church. And these are um, the core values, uh, not just for us as his people, but we, we really hold to these values that our every nation family, we are part of an every nation family here in South Africa, but also globally. And what a privilege it is to belong to a family. And what does it mean to belong to a family? A family is a group of people who have the same values and are going in the same direction. And uh, what's the importance of core values? Um, our core values are, well, our mission. The mission is allows us to know where we're going. Uh, and to see where we're going. But our core values are the roads that will take you there. Um, so for our runners, their mission is to get to the end of the comrades, to get to uh, the finishing line in the stadium in Durban. And our son messaged just now, he is part of the, um, the support team uh, in the stadium in Durban, he is so delighted. He has a comrade's cap and a comrade's shirt, and his um, sports director is one of the guys running the comrades, and he got to be part of the team. They're going to be helping to carry the people across the road, uh, across the finish line. It's part of their mandate, those that are too tired to get there. Anyway, so we're just delighted. But he's at the end. He's he's the the mission, seeing where you're going. But the values, our core values, are the roads that will take you there. How are we getting and how are we accomplishing our mission? Um, and and our core values, that's what are we what are we walking on um, that gets us to that place? And what is our mission as an every nation church? Um, we we hold to the mission um, of of our every nation global family, which is that we exist uh, to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And it's been our privilege, Jacques and my privilege, to be part of um, his people and every nation uh, since we were students. And students, when you're with what you're doing and and how you're walking, um, what you're doing now and the connections and the um, the relationships that you're for- forming are really significant because they could well be lifelong. And you can be belonging to being part of a spiritual family that is global, that's around the world, and you can go from Peter Maritzburg and go to London to work and study there a bit. And you can link in and go to our Every Nation Church in London, and and there's the same core values. We're going after the same mission. And that is, that's powerful. Um, family recognize one another uh, because of that. We we do things the same way around here. Um, and so the core values, our core values, what are they? Uh, and if you've been here or you've been listening to our uh, our messages, you will have picked, picked them up and, and hopefully you know them if you've been hung around his people for any length of time. Um, and so Awonke just so well covered lordship a few weeks ago. And then last week we had Pastor Temba was here and he spoke to us about evangelism and, and the inspiration, the anointing that he spoke with um, and the number of people who responded last week and saying, I, I see God using me. I want to be part of bringing in the harvest um, and evangelism. And uh, Pastor Jacques spoke a couple of weeks ago, into discipleship. And what is discipleship? Relationships with a purpose. Um, we are we are growing more like Jesus, walking together. 
And then today, I'm going to be looking at family and the significance value of family. And as I said, uh, family is something that, that Jacques and I are passionate about. And I'm going to be unpacking for us today um, three, three statements that we hear when we're around Every Nation families, about, about uh, Every Nation churches, about family. And, and they are things that we have heard from when we were students. And as I was going through this, as I was preparing for it, I was like, it's true. I've heard this. This, these principles, these um, statements, this aspect of this value of family has really impacted how we do our lives. And, um, and so I'm just going to put the three up initially and then I'm going to unpack them for you. And so the first reason why we value family is because God values family. And absolutely, we value what God values. He values family. He, he uh, has put it as the build, one, one of the key building blocks of society. And, uh, and there is a significance about what happens in family. A second, a second statement that I want to highlight is never sacrifice family on the altar of success. Never sacrifice family on the altar of success. If we, if we put success as more important than our family, we are kicking out from under us the block that is going to enable us to be successful, that is going to lift us up. And if we will focus on our family um, and enable and make sure that family is strong and growing and well, God will take care of the success as we are faithful to him. And it's not about perfection, point three. It is about priorities. And it's how are we prioritizing? How, how do we live out our everyday life considering um, according to our priorities? They are, um, our priorities are, are like the guide ropes that help us in our everyday life. What are our decisions, etc.? And, and we, this core value of family, it is, uh, we are talking primarily about our, our physical families. So, um, our nuclear families and primarily the, the value of nuclear families. And then we, we value spiritual family. But there are in some spaces and places and through through church um, thinking, where there could be the element that that this core value is we value spiritual family, and that is the primary thing that we are talking about. But Steve Murrell, uh, Pastor Steve Murrell, who who heads up our Every Nation, um, fa- uh, our Every Nation Global Ministry, he has made this strong injunction that as a, as long as he is heading up every nation, this value means our physical nuclear families. And the physical nuclear family is under attack today. Like, well, I don't want to say like never before because I believe in history. History is cyclical and you look in the Bible and you see where family has has been under attack and has not been valued. Uh, but physical family is so significant. And and the the significance of seeing what God is doing as we mentor our children, as we value marriage and support the biblical view of marriage and 
encourage and build that up. Um, God builds strong individuals who can impact and can be successful further. But spiritual family is is so significant, is so important. And there are so many of us that are singles, um, whether uh, not married yet or being married, uh, have lost a spouse or have, from various circumstances, etc., gone through divorce and etc. And spiritual family is the space where there is a sense of belonging. There is a bringing of identity. And and as we were praying, um, Walter was saying, and it's so true, that with many of our, our students, they can have the concept or live their lives as students with the concept that family is back home. And I can only get to experience the impact and the value and the power of family when I go home on holidays. And we want to say to you, that is not true. That is not true. That we are a spiritual family. We are a family here that have the same values as you, that you can link into, that you can belong to, that you can have a mom, uh, inverted commas, have a mom, have a dad, have sisters, have brothers, have a place where you serve and grow. Um, And it's called spiritual family. It's called his people church. And so we want to um, say we we hold up that value. So just looking at value, um, we value family as God values family. And I just put up Genesis uh, 2, verse 22 to 25. And, and this is the first mention, the law of first mention in the Bible. So important because it's the place in which God introduces a concept. And so the significance of it, where he has mentioned it first, is something that you need to take note of and say, there are principles and things that God is laying down um, in, in his law of first mention. And so in Genesis 2, it says here, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woe man. And brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And um, the the beauty of this space where God created man and he created woman, he fashioned woman, and here was the first family. And I want you to note, there were no children yet. But when a man and a woman come together, they become a new entity. So when my daughter got married, uh, got married, one of the things that we were so aware of was the significance of she is leaving our home. She is leaving our influence and, and we we have influence, but but it's far more as she gives us the space to have influence. But we are not her first port of call anymore. And in the first year, that was quite a thing to get used to. And Ruby um, here is nodding. It sounds like you remember that, Ruby. Um, you're not the first port of call anymore. Um and and I was speaking to Anne-Marie yesterday, and she was telling me about, um, she said, no, they've gone to look at another, um, look at a place, they, they're looking at moving and whatever. Um, and I was all excited. I was like, send me some photos. She's like, mom, if we, if we get it, then 
I will send you some photos. And I was like, I want to be part of, yes, this is a good idea, and you must think about that. And and it's like, no, that's not my place. That's their place. It's their place. It's the boundaries. They are a new entity. They are a new family. And the significance of that, they are a new building block that is uh, that is being built, that God is is doing. And man and woman coming together, that the man, God has put within man aspects, attributes of himself that the man reflects to the children and the world. And he has made woman, and he has put within woman different attributes and aspects of God that when the man and the woman come together, they reflect the the fullness as they strive to um, to follow God. They reflect the fullness to their children and to the world. Man and woman do, are not in competition. We are not trying to be li- like one another or to replace one another because God has put different strengths, different callings, different attributes, different roles, and together we represent um, God to our children, to our the, the people around us. And so, and we value family because God values family. This is just one um, of the verses and um, that that I've highlighted, but there are so many verses in the Bible that God speaks about family. He he shows how much he is valuing family. And when God speaks about family, he's not speaking, he's not looking at what has Jenny done. God speaks about the generations. I have four children. God is looking more at how am I mentoring and training my children and what are they doing. And and in the Bible, he, he speaks little about the father and lots about the children that are coming, the descendants that come after him, and highlights what did they do and what did they achieve. And so when we're looking, what are the things that God is doing in our lives? He is looking, what are we passing on? What is the legacy that we are leaving um, that's that's coming after us? And um, just moving moving on to to point two, never sacrifice family on the altar of success. Never sacrifice family on the altar of success. It's it can be easy for us to be looking and saying, I want to achieve, I want to have this empire, I want to um, be successful. And of course, my motivation is initially because I want to provide food for my children, because I want to uh, be able to provide, I want to be, be someone, I want to make a difference for God's kingdom. And that is all those things are, are so valuable. All those things are what God is saying. But valuing family, but recognizing that God says family first. If we cannot manage, and we just um, put up, he must not. 1 Timothy 3, verse 4 to 5 says, He must manage his only family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? And here Paul is sharing, passing on to Timothy, what are some of the qualities that you look for in someone who is going to be a leader in in the church. And one of the requirements is 
that we manage our own family well. It's in our families that we first experience the law courts, the judge. I don't know if you have remember being a child and you are fighting with your siblings. So in our family, um, I had to realize early on that God has called me to law. I am not just a teacher. I am a lawyer. But then I discovered that the Lord has also called me um, to be an accountant. I need to be an accountant as well because I'm in the family. And I am teaching my children when my two girls were younger, um, a lot younger, you know, the pretty little princess fairy shoes and the one has got ones that are glittery and sparkly and the other ones, the glitter and sparkles come off a little bit. And then it's like, who of anne or Heidi is going to get these glittery, you know, shoes or have the opportunity to wear the glittery, sparkly shoes to church today and the fighting and the whatever. And then the lawyer has to come in and has to be um, working out, setting up a legal court right there between the two girls and the fighting over who is going to get to wear the glittery, sparkly shoes to church today. Um, and so in our family, if we as parents are not able to manage our own family well, with children who respect and obey him, then we're not going to be able to be successful in the wider world. And it's really, it is really sad to have seen and to hear um, stories of people who are so passionate for God. And um, we, quite a, quite a number of years ago, we got given a book written by a, a guy who started and has built an incredible church in Durban. And it is a well-known, large, influential church in Durban. And he wrote, um, he wrote his autobiography. And his, his lament, he spoke in the book and he was very vulnerable in the book, in this book, about his life and his passion. He was so passionate about building God's church. And he had the, ma- the mindset and was going with, um, with the understanding of the day, really, that if we were going to be good ministers, that we needed to build God's house We must build the church. We must sacrifice for the Lord. And there was an understanding that you even needed to be willing to sacrifice your family and your time and with your family, etc. And he had the logic that if he will build God's house, that God would build his house. Is that true? No. It's the wrong way around. And so he was out most nights of the week, his mom-in-law, they got his mom-in-law to come and to live with them and to be building, the, uh, to be spending time with the children, to be looking after the children and doing stuff with the children, feeding them, doing the homework. It's fine. Grannies with the children. I mean, who better? Grannies with the children. But this minister, who's still alive, I think, he, his children started growing up and they hated the church and they hated God because God and the church took their daddy away from them, took their mom away from them because they had, the mom and dad had the thing and it's a, but I'm building God's kingdom and God will look after my children and the children were, um, as teens, they turned so far from God 
their daughter was on drugs. Their daughter ran away from home. She was, um, she ran away from home. She was 16 or 17 thereabouts. Um, she was in Cape Town. Their son became a pimp. He was selling drugs on the street. But his dad is like the known, amazing um, pastor who is preaching up a storm and spending time mentoring the people that are in church, the, the young people who are there that are, but he didn't have time. He didn't stop there and give in to his children at home. And his daughter, uh, it's an incredible story because they were praying um, and God, they didn't know where she was. They didn't have any idea of where she was. They were just like, God, you have got to look after my daughter. And she was in a flat in Durban, and he tells the story in the book, in a flat in Durban, and she was strung out on drugs, she was like, my life is hopeless. And she was about to commit suicide and jump off the balcony of, of the flat that she was at, a high-story balcony. And they were praying in Durban, God repenting of how they had given up on the, uh, they had left their children and were focusing on success. Never sacrifice family on the altar of success. They were going after success, winning God's, winning and winning the kingdom for God. Yeah. And they were praying and God showed them that, uh, showed them a picture of their daughter, basically where she was. And they were praying and the daughter said afterwards that they, she got up on the rail, but there was a force that was pushing her back. So she, she didn't jump in the end. And God showed them an address and someone went and got her. But they repented of sacrificing their family on the altar of success. And that's in a church context and we can say that it's so good in our businesses that it's that it's fine that we have a nanny who looks after the children so that I can work long hours at work, husband and wife, husband and wife, working, working. What about the children? What about the next generation? What about who is putting in the values into the children? And... God says, if you will look after your children, if you will take time, spend time, input into your children, he will bring good success. The other extreme that we're seeing so much of to, uh, in our world today, and especially post-COVID, is where people are swinging to the other extreme. And they're saying, well, my work, 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 and, oh, sorry, pastor, we can't come to church because you said I must look after my children. And so we can't come to church. We can't come to connect group. We can't, yes, I serve God, but I'm as for no more. And that's also, that is, you could say in a way um, that you are sacrificing God and your relationship with God potentially on the altar of business and family. And that's not what God's got either. In Joshua 24, verse 15, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Together, as a family, we are on mission. Together, we are doing things. Um, we, are, we are training up our children. When we bring them to church, we said, uh, with our children, we bring them to church. We go to Connect Group and we took our children to Connect Group and they had their little mattress next to uh, wherever 
or we would make a plan with our connect group so that our children could be part of it. And and we understand there's, you know, children's sleep times and whatever, but sometimes you train them. Our children with Aklu and Zizwe, Awonke and Sumelo, they have made that commitment that our family, we go to church. Our family serve God together, are on a mission. Aklu and Zizwe, they are here for Zazise, sitting there having their picnic on their mats or playing outside. And Aklu loves church. She is here. This is her church. You can see she walks around. She's a little um, three-year-old or maybe even a nearly four-year-old now. Um, she walks around like she owns this place because she is so familiar. This is part of her life. Um, and and that is how it needs to be. Uh, I want us to look at Eli and his wicked sons as an example where we sacrifice family on the altar of success. And with Eli, two, 1 Samuel 2 speaks here and says, Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord. In verse 17, So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. So, and verse 29, So why do you scorn my sacrifices and offerings? Why do you give your sons more honor than you give me? Your. Those words are strong words. And, and parents, spiritual parents, how do our children value the things of the Lord and the stuff that happens within church, within the spaces? Eli's sons treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. They were going and they were eating the meat. They were like scooping and saying, um, no, let us have some. We're hungry. When the people of God were bringing their offerings to offer before the Lord. And how are we, how are our hearts towards the things of God? How do we speak about what happens in church? The people who are in church. The stuff that's happening when you're hearing God people. Be careful about how we speak to them about it. Because we need to train up our children. And then in 1 Samuel 3 verse 13, God speaks and says, I have warned him, he speaks through Samuel, that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So these were adult children. So parents and people, sometimes our children do misbehave in church. Sometimes we're not all perfect. But these were adult children of Samuel. They were adult children and Samuel um, of, of Eli. And Eli had placed them in places of authority and he had not removed them. He had not rebuked them. He had not taken them out because they were not following God's ways and laws. And sometimes we want our children so much to follow in our footsteps that we turn a blind eye to the things that are not right and not godly. And it's going to come back and bite you. It's going to come back and bite us. And so Eli wasn't judged because of the wickedness of his sons. He was judged because he knew about their sin and he did nothing about it. And parents... We cannot. Families, we can't do nothing about the sin of those around us. And this is not just physical families. This is spiritual parents. We can't just sit back and watch as someone is letting their lives go and letting them sin where we have said originally, um, I'm walking with you. I am committed to helping you to grow. Um, and to follow God. And um, it is 
It is a sad thing when you see that, when you're seeing um, young people or others just not following after God. The third, the third thing is it is not about perfection, but it's about priorities. And, and it is much easier when we have our priorities in our minds, it is much easier to be able to make decisions in our everyday life because we put priorities in place. And and these priorities just I, I wanted to just touch briefly and a couple have a couple of slides. Just unpacking the importance also of singleness. Because sometimes we can speak about um, family and we're talking about physical family but also spiritual family. But the significance of, of living out of a place of intentional singleness and saying, God, I am bringing my singleness, not just my family to you, out of which I can, um, out of which I can serve you. And so Pete Scazzaro says here, and Pete Scazzaro is someone who, who we has really inputted and impacted our lives. And, uh, in terms of emotionally healthy living, if I can say that. And these are some of the, uh, something that he said in his book, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And how do we walk in ways that are healthy and good? And so he said here, every Christian has the same primary calling or vocation. We are called to Jesus, by Jesus, and for Jesus. Our first call is to love him with our whole being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And that is our first priority, that we are loving God, that we are honoring him and serving him. So in our lives, if our business is and or our church ministry is taking more time, and we're so busy with that that we don't have time to spend time with him, to be listening to him, to be hearing him. So it makes our decisions easier when that is our first priority. But look at this, and singles, um, I, I trust that this will minister to you too. Scripture teaches that human beings are created by for intimacy and connection with God, with God, themselves, and one another. Marriage is one framework in which we work this out. Singleness is another. And, and there's the, the quote, if our priorities are clear and understood in everyday life, then our decisions become simpler. Simpler, but not necessarily easier. It's not always easy to say yes and no to things. But this element is that we are made for intimacy. We are made for connection with God and with one another. And as we look at our singleness um, and say, God, I value this, that I'm bringing this to you as a sacrifice. And before the Reformation, it's one of the things that Pete Zero speaks, that before the Reformation, there was such a value for singleness and being married was put down to the degree that people were like, if they are serving God and following God, that, um, and to serve God most fully, that maybe we shouldn't get married. That I should rather stay single because I'm so passionate about serving God. And then in the Reformation, there was a correction of that and saying, no, that to be married is a good thing and that we can serve God married and we can serve God in our singleness with full passion. Um, but 
it's almost pivoted the other way these days, where in many church contexts, it's like if you are married, that you have a higher um, authority and right to be in leadership in your church context. I'm not sure that it is so much in your business ones. But it is not, that is not true. It is different elements that we bring as marrieds and singles to our communities around us. And this, um, this, uh, how, I love how Pete Scazzaro says this next thing. Um, our whole life as a leader is to bear witness to God's love for the, for the world. But we do so in different ways as married or singles. Married couples bear witness to the depths of Christ's love. Their vows focus and limit them to loving one person exclusively, permanently, and intimately. But singles bear witness to the breadth of Christ's love. Because they are not limited by a vow to one person, they have more freedom and time to express the love of Christ to a broad range of people. Both married and singles point to and reveal Christ's love, but in different ways. Don't you think that's powerful? That is powerful. So when we are married and we are showing and demonstrating the depths of commitment of love to one person, that we stick with one another through sick and sin, we love to a depth that is so powerful and we demonstrate to people, to those around us, marriage is good. There is a strength, there is a life and a blessing that comes through being married. But we are challenged, I am challenged as a married person to be able to love widely and to have many people that I am giving love to, that I am supporting, that I am encouraging, that I am building up, that I can have coffee with. I can't because I'm needing to input into my children. I am first and foremost, my priority is to God first and to my husband. And and to be there for him. Yesterday, we had uh, something, we had a Moms Connect time that was scheduled for mid-morning. I had committed myself to being there. I was excited about this in-person connect group time that we had scheduled. I told everyone that I was coming. But come half past ten, I was involved with something with my husband that I couldn't leave. And I had to say, I messaged them gladly. I'm sorry, I can't join you even though I'm missing out on tea and yummy whatever that was there because I was with my husband and I needed to to be there with him at that time because my priority is with my husband and there is a depth. But I missed out on being able to have the broader relational dynamics with the ladies that were there. And singles whether you've been married before or not, you have the capacity and the place to be able to love widely and deeply with people, but not as deeply as when you are married. And so that is significant. I want to finish off by just reading Psalm 127, looking here at priorities and the importance of it. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is God who brings the success. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, 
eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And verse 5 there is saying, Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Spiritual moms and dads, how big is your quiver? How many children do you have in your quiver that you are sending out? The arrows. Um, someone said, how do you know how many children you should have? And it is when you look at your children and your knees start to quiver. Then you know that you've got enough. Okay? But the, the Passion Translation said this. This is in a side, a, a note that, um, that the, the translator put there. The Hebrew text refers to children as arrows in the hands of a warrior. And why is that? Partly. It's our children will be our future protection and provision. So the more children you have, the merrier, the more protection and provision you're going to have. And, and we took this. Um, children are the fruit of the womb is a reward. We took this aspect where God said to Adam and Eve, go forth and multiply. And so we said, okay, if we just have two children, we are not multiplying. We are just reproducing ourselves. One man, one woman, we have two children, we died, there's only two, there's only two to replace us. So we need to multiply, i.e. go to four, because then there's one and one more. (laughs) So I'm not saying that we should all have four children, and some we have as many as God gives us. But many of us do not have a vision to go forth and multiply. Many people in today's world are looking more at the financial constraints and the difficulties. But yet, if we will obey God with the number of children that we trust Him for, and we listen to, Lord, how many children do you want me to have? And then we go after that number, not looking at our circumstances and saying, this is how many we have. Not looking as spiritual people spiritual moms and dads and saying, well, I only, I'm so busy with my business that I can't mentor anyone. I can't have any spiritual children. I don't believe that that's how busy God wants you to be. We should all be having spiritual children that we have got time for, that we make time for, that we can have arrows that we are sending out. And arrows... Children are like arrows, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Arrows are not meant for mere decoration. They're meant to be released and shot. We send out our students. We shoot them out. But children have a target. Arrows have a target. Our children have a destiny and a purpose. It is up to us to be, as the parents, as the family, to be calling out their destiny, to be helping them to see their purpose. Arrows have two ends, a sharp end and a tail end. The sharp end represents the skills and the abilities and the talents that they have. The sharp end is what's going to enable our children to go sharp into the target and hit it and be able to accomplish what God sent it for. But the tail end represents the character of our children. And if the character is skewed, and if you look at an arrow, it's the feathers at the end. If the character is skewed, if our children do not have good character, 
they can actually be dangerous because they can be sharp with their skills and their talent and they can hit something but it may not be the target, the destiny and the purpose that God had for them. And they can hit something and bring damage and pain and wounding because they're sharp but they don't have character. Let us train up our children. Let us train up our spiritual children within the family with character that is godly and, and sharp and strong. And so let us shoot out. Let us be a church that values family. Why do we value family? Because God values family. Why do we value family? Because God values family. And let us not sacrifice family on the altar of success. Let us not sacrifice spiritual family on the altar of being successful out there, but our children and with our family, that our our children do not have a place of belonging in spiritual family. And let's not try to be so perfect, so good at everything out there that our priorities are skewed. But as we follow God, as we put God first, our husband and our wife, our children, our singleness, and then um, our, our spiritual family, our business, the things that God's called us to, as we set those priorities right, it'll be easy to walk and to say yet easier, simpler, sorry, simpler, not easier necessarily, simpler to know what to say yes and no to. So I want to ask us if we can just stand as God's spiritual family and pray for ourselves, pray for our family. And Father God, we thank you that you provide physical, earthly families for us to be part of. But you also provide spiritual family for us to be part of, to belong to, within which our identity is formed, places where we can outwork the calling that you have put within us. Lord, we thank you for this road, this spiritual, this core value that you have given us. And Lord God, I ask that you would help us to be faithful, to represent you in this space of family. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.